everyone, and welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today we have one of our Baby Chick writers, Quinn Kelly. Quinn is a licensed marriage and family therapist, wife of 14 years, and a mother of four wild but adorable boys. She has a blog called Sanctification and Spit Up, centered on faith and parenting, and she has a podcast of her own called the Renew You Podcast, found on all major platforms. Additionally, Quinn has a faith conference series for women called Renew with an upcoming conference this March in Houston, Texas that you are invited to. And we can link to all of this information in the show notes. For today, we have Quinn with us to talk about marriage and parenting, which happens to be one of her favorite subjects to speak on. Welcome, Quinn. Hi, Quinn. Thank you so much for joining me today on Chick Chat. Oh, hi. Thank you, Nina. I am so excited to be here with you. Yes. And I think that this topic about staying connected with your spouse after having children is super important. I know that a lot of things change after you have a baby and relationships are definitely one of them. So sometimes it can be for the better and sometimes not so much. And we want to know what we can do to strengthen our relationship with our spouse. So we knew that you would be the perfect person to chat with. So I want to ask you the first question. I hear sometimes parents say, well, children always come first. The children are always first. Yes. So I want to know, as a family and marriage therapist, what do you think about that statement? Well, I think that is one that when I hear people say that, I see the heart behind it. And I'm always like, I know that seems like such a good thing to say, right? And the right thing to say, because we want to love our children. But it's something that is so important to know. that it is such a myth, that that really is actually a harmful mindset to say, even before anything else, you know, our kids, once we have our kids, they take that top priority and then the marriage and everything else comes second. Because the truth of it is marriage has to stay solid to be solid parents. And if you don't have support in your relationship, it can really make everything begin to crumble. And as you and I know, parenting is just so stressful. You know, it's good, but it is so stressful. And we really need that marriage to be the first primary focus. Now, I think it also can imply like sometimes what's confusing about it that may make it sound like we're not then caring about our kids. Like, well, that I don't want to be a selfish parent. I don't want to be going on dates when I have a new baby at home. And I think that that's kind of the part where it makes us all feel weird to say, well, the marriage needs to come first. But that's not really what it means at all. It just means taking the time to stay connected so that you have what you need to give to your babies. And really, it's to the children's benefit, not to their harm. Yeah, I agree. It's like that foundation of the family and that relationship is truly that foundation. And I felt the same way. I was like, you know what? I understand. Yes, I'm going to put my child's needs before my own when it comes to like, oh, I'm gonna, I want a manicure. No, I need to pay for swim lessons or whatever. <laughs> but when it comes to that time with your spouse and making that time, I couldn't agree more, but I wanted to hear what you kind of tell your patients and mom friends when they come to you and saying kids come first, what you thought about that. So what do you think a good mindset is to have in the midst of parenting if we're really saying that relationships with our spouses should, should come first? 
Okay, so I have a mindset that I love, and it's kind of one that shifted over the years. I honestly, by having to learn and have my kind of mess ups and flaws as a parent and in my marriage, kind of beginning to see, wait, this marriage thing is harder the more kids (laughs) we add to the equation. And so this is what it is. A lot of times in those stressful moments early on in marriage, I feel like my husband and I would do more of a... I need this in this moment and you need this. And we kind of had a separate self-care mentality. So, you know, you're stressed out. You need to go do this. I'm stressed out. I need to go do this. And there's nothing wrong with recognizing your partner's needs. In fact, that's like incredibly important. But the mindset that's more helpful is to think that it's not you and me, but it's us. That it's that today, how can we each do what we need to do to be in a place to parent the best that we can? How can I help you and how can you help me more as a team versus we're doing things separately? Does that kind of make sense? Totally makes sense. And I feel like a lot of people get caught up on that. They're like, I have to do this. I have to do this. I need you to watch the baby because I need to get all of these things done. And you're thinking about yourself. So how can we change that mentality and make it more about us rather than you and me? I think that the first part is just realizing that teamwork is the key to making it where you both enjoy your children together. And one thing that I realized Joe and I did that we kind of got into a habit of that's okay some, but I think one thing I realized the difference when we would say, let's just all go to the park together. So instead of like, you're going to take the kids there and I'm going to take the kids here. We realized that that us mentality, we saw the fruitfulness of it when we all just took a moment to be together as a family. It made me realize that I felt more joined with my husband. And so I think when you begin to see that time together can make it seem like we are on the same team, we're both parenting, we both are working together, can really be helpful when you're feeling a little bit at your end. So what are some of the dangers that you see when we don't embrace that type of mindset? Okay, well, what I see that I think is very subtle, but so incredibly helpful is that the us mentality kind of slowly, but just surely changes the heart. And what I mean by that is if you wake up and you think we are a team, we're in this together, we both have these babies and let's be honest, we're both exhausted, right? Like it is exhausting. And we both wake up maybe feeling like there's this whole long list of things we need to do. And each of us truly does need self-care. I can shift my feelings towards my husband when I think he is willing to help me and I'm going to help him. So let me give you an example of it. If he is like, oh, I just need time to myself, okay? I just need to go to the gym. I need to have that mentality of, because we're a team and I get that I also need that for me, I want you to go and take time for yourself. And when he naturally is like, and whatever you need to do to kind of help you reset today, I wanna help you with that too. I feel like we're mutually working toward a goal of let's each get ourselves in a better self-care place so that we have more to give. But sometimes if we're not careful and we have that, well, you're just taking care of you, it makes it feel like you don't want to support the spouse in doing that. 
And I think that we have to recognize if we feel the need to kind of recharge, sometimes our spouse feels that way too. And so it just is all about teamwork. At the start of the day, a lot of times on weekends, my husband and I have this habit and we'll say, okay, what is on your agenda for the day? And basically what we're trying to do is just each get kind of an idea of, we know we have this sports game and this swim meet and these kids are coming over, but what do you have there in that whole list of things that's important to you? Because that allows us to kind of help prioritize and sort of work together for the other person. I love that. I love that tip. And I also really loved how you said that example that you gave when you were like, Joe needed the time to reset, recharge, go to the gym. And for him to also say, if there is something that I can help you with later in the day for you to recharge, to have that type of language with one another, I think is really important rather than constantly saying every day, I need to do this, I need to do that, because it can sometimes feel like a you and me kind of thing when it's you know every day. Um, but also, I love that idea of coming together in the mornings or maybe in the evenings to talk about the next day, to say, okay, what are the priorities of the next day? What do we need to do? And how can we conquer this together as a team? Well, and can I be honest and tell you that motherhood really revealed my selfishness? <laughs> and I feel like that is not just you. I feel like that is most women in it, the world. <laughs> it is. And you know, but Nina, this is the worst part. This is the part that was just kind of so eye-opening. I really think if you would have given me a personality test, you know, where you like circle words about yourself before my babies, I would have been like unselfish, caring, thoughtful. And one of the things that happened when I had Isaac, And I have four boys. You said that in the intro, but I have four boys. And I just want to say this to the moms, just so you hear me out before I continue on on the other point. My hardest transition was zero to one. Really? So, yes. I not was, not one to two or two to three. To two. No. <laughs> and I know, I know it's different for everyone. And you would think she's got four kids. It has to get harder the more you get. And, <laughs> right. and, and I do want to say, I do think it's pretty intense, like a schedule wise, right? The more you add on, the more there is. But emotionally, now physically, it's more tiring the more physical bodies we have, right. right? Right. But emotionally and mentally, my biggest adjustment was... I am no longer in control of my own time. I am no longer in charge of how much sleep I get. My husband and I are both crazy productive people. We just like to get stuff done. And I'll never forget when we first got married. And it was like our first weekends where we had this little baby. And it was kind of like, oh, well, I want to mow the lawn. Oh, well, I need to go to the grocery store. Okay, well, I need to go to um, the hardware store. Okay, well, I need to go and run and pick this up at this place. And it was kind of like, well, which one of us wins? Right. Yeah. Like, 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 how do we, how do we make sense of it? Right. I want to just encourage you that when you see your spouse is really saying, Hey, I am kind of feeling like I need to get this done, whatever it is that you muster up compassion and recognize you have those moments too. And that if you don't help give them the support they need, they do not want to give it back to you. Now, if this is a time that you're both feeling equally at your end, I personally am a very big fan of vocalizing it. So saying something like, hey, I'm going to use my husband, Joe, as an example. Hey, Joe, I see that you are tired from your week. You've been traveling and it's important for you to go in, you know, get the part for the lawnmower. 
All right, we'll just like say that. And I'm thinking in my own head, but you've been gone all week and I've been parenting these boys by myself, right? Like something like that. But for me to think, I have to be able to recognize when he needs the break and muster up the love to think I want to support him because I get it's hard versus only thinking of myself. And Nina, I just think that there have been more times especially early on in our parenting where I really did just always want him to think of me. Like, don't you feel bad for me? Don't you see I was the one up all night? I feel like that's, yeah, most women feel like that because we are so, I feel like we have a lot more empathy and we think about how others are thinking. I mean, you know, women, we just overthink everything, <laughs> right? So we're thinking about how other people think and, and how they feel. And so we're thinking, well, don't you think about how I'm feeling right now? I mean, I feel like that's not just you. That's that's every woman ever. <laughs> it is. And I feel like what helped our marriage so much was when we began to be more vocal, my husband's like, and I see you need a break. It's funny, actually, just this week, like two nights ago, Joe was like, Hey, you're not acting like yourself. Like, he's like, I am here to tell you, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be like rude about you, but seriously, go to target, go spend a hundred bucks and reset because I know you well enough to know you're not yourself. And you need a little bit of time away. And I'm like, I'm fine. Why are you even saying that? And he's like, just because I love you. And I just, I'm not mad. I'm not wanting to fight. I just think you don't quite seem like you. And honestly, it annoyed me. (laughs) But then I was like, that is really sweet. I was stressed. I was trying to manage something and I was feeling it was flooding over into everything else. And that's kind of the type of thing that I'm referring to is that when you see your partner needs it to just say, Hey, I'm here. Like I want to support you. And I I do want to help you through this moment. And for, you know, for us, sometimes that is just saying, Hey, go take your time because I know when you come back, you'll be ready and reset. And for us, a lot of times it's as simple as one hour away and we're worlds better. Oh yeah. Yeah. Even just a power nap sometimes can just make things so much nicer. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) The power of sleep. Yeah, totally. And I love that when it comes to the mindset. But what are also some things that couples can do together to remain close after having a baby? Yes. Okay. So that is incredibly important because as you know, you ask me about originally the marriage remaining a priority, not just supporting each other in the meltdown moments of parenting, but just actually staying close as a couple is really what empowers you to want to have that mentality of a we mindset, right? Like an us mindset. So these are a few of the things that I would recommend to any and all couples The first is, and we hear this all the time, and I used to kind of make fun of it, but go on dates. (laughs) Go on dates. I I used to be like, I'm with my husband all the time. We can enjoy ourselves at home. Like, we don't have to go on a date. But the more children we've had, this is why I think there's value in it. Can a date, especially if you're tight in your budget, be sitting on your front porch once the kids are in bed, just sitting there having a glass of wine or chatting or whatever? Yes, it absolutely can be. But I do think that a lot of times the stress we feel within our home can remain with us when we're sitting in our home. And so just a simple opportunity to get away, to have some conversation can really reset us. Even if that means going grocery shopping together, going on a walk in the neighborhood, you know, simple can absolutely work. But taking the time before you are desperate for it to allow space for it. Because I think a lot of times what happens as couples, 
we wait to give our spouse time until we notice that we're not in a good place in our marriage. You're bickering, you're annoyed at each other, and you think, man, we probably should go on a date. I think it is just a much better principle to say every other Saturday, we already have a sitter that is ready to watch, you know, the kids. And we have this set aside because then it allows that connection before you're desperate for it. And that is so, so key. I love that mentality because I also think of it as like, do you go to the doctor when you're sick? It's actually better to go and see the doctor before and like doing well checks. So then you can stay on top of your health. Why not do the same thing with your, your marriage? I mean, sometimes waiting till the desperation, sometimes it's already been kind of, and I hate to say this, but like beyond repair, like there's so much resentment or hurt or whatever it is. And it can be tough to kind of backpedal from that. So making that time now is so important. So I love that. Dates, definitely go on dates. And do you think that like every other week is like a good rule? I think that the reason I kind of like that is because there is a balance of just paying a sitter can kind of add up, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. um, ideally... There is something to be said. I always fall back on John Gottman. He's a marriage researcher and I love him. You can find his books on wherever you go for books. I would say Amazon. (laughs) You could find his books, but he does so much research on marriage. And he says that every couple needs to have a state of the union time, which is really a meeting time once a week. And that's where you debrief, you catch up, you share your heart, you give yourself space to connect. And so his theory and research, honestly, it's not a theory, it's research, would say weekly. But if nothing else, I think at least twice a month where you know you are getting set aside time to connect is so, so attainable versus it may feel a little hard to fit it in weekly. But if you can, I would actually recommend weekly. Yeah. And I would also say that if you guys work together, do not talk about work. Try not to talk about the kids, like really talk about yourselves and your marriage and, you know, hopes and dreams and that sort of thing. Would you agree, Quinn? Yes. And that kind of leads me into another thing that I think is important for this connection time, ways to connect with your spouse. Do the things that made you fall in love. One of the easiest ways to connect is to put yourself in a space that you fell in love, where you used to do this hobby together that maybe you've fallen away from. My husband and I, this is like the funniest thing because I'm not even a golfer, but He is a really great golfer and there is nothing cuter to me than watching him golf in the way he analyzes his shots. Now that is like (laughs) so, so funny and strange, but I love to just go when we were early married without kids. And when we were dating, I would always go along with him when he golfed and I find him attractive when he's golfing. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than there's some weird thing where I'm like, you are so cute when you're golfing. So for us, a really smart and easy thing is just to go on a golf date and to sit and chat. That is something that existed prior to kids. And it always makes me feel connected to him. He loves it. And there's probably something my dad golfed all the time too. So I grew up with my dad doing that, but it's just a fun and easy thing. Obviously, every couple's hobby will not be the same. Now I'm going to throw in one other thing. I know one of my friends always says to me, Quinn, 
my husband and I don't like to do any, they, <laughs> it sounds bad. They don't like to do anything together. They don't have a hobby. They share. Yeah, I was going to say, what about those people who don't have a shared hobby? Like they didn't fall in love doing some type of hobby right. together. I what would, about those people? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I would say do something active together because here's the deal. Your endorphins are up. You're doing something good for your body. We're all supposed to be doing it. So I would literally say, then make your thing on dates, create your new hobby. And that is walking. Try out a new park every time you go on your date or go to the same park or, you know, I don't know if you're particularly active, maybe you start biking together, but I would create something that is naturally good for you anyway, that you do together. Of course, there's game-minded people. I know one set of my friends, they play cards together. I have to tell you, that is like my version of like, I'm horrible at cards. Joe and I would just sit there and like be annoying. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just think it doesn't need to be very complicated, but it can really, every couple's going to find something unique. But it's all about, honestly, kind of like what you said, it's about connecting sort of separate from the normal reality that you're in. And that can be just something that is very simple. Nina, though, I feel like I need to also point out that state of the union meeting that I Mm -hmm. sort of referred back to, Right, that would be where you actually are sharing your heart. So there's kind of like two things we're sort of referring to. You want to have time just to connect and be together, right? And sort of lay aside the stress. You also do want there to be time in the relationship where you do get a chat and share your heart. And a husband or a wife may feel like, hey, I sort of need this to not be super heavy right now. Like it's been a busy week. I just want us to go have fun and we're you know, whatever it is, we're watching this movie. The wife may be sitting there and thinking, I feel like I really need to talk to you about this certain thing, (laughs) right? So depending on how the couple is, that may happen where you get into a really great deep conversation over dinner after the movie, or one of the spouses may say, I feel like I'm not ready to dive into that this moment, but can we talk about that tomorrow? You know, once the kids go to bed. And I think just making sure you're being vocal about what the need is for connection and creating space for that, that's going to be the most important thing for each couple. But it's also going to look differently, you know, depending on who you are and what what your passions and needs are. Yeah. Okay. I love that. So dates and state of the union kind of meetings. So are there any other things that we can do to connect more with our spouses? Yes. Okay. So I am kind of a big fan of touch and connection through touch or intimacy, right? Making sure you allow for that. I'm just going to, we don't need to make this all about sex, but I will say one of the greatest things that can change post baby is a lack of desire from the female for sex. And I 100% understand why and how and all of that. I just want to speak to the fact that That is something that really instantly can connect couples. And if it was a big part of your relationship pre-baby and all of a sudden it kind of disappears, you can understand why that causes a shift in the level of connection. And so just being aware of that and the importance of how that really can alter the feelings toward one another, just being intentional with thinking through how you can create time for intimacy, not that I'm saying that it's all going to look the same at every season, right? I understand when there's a brand new baby keeping you up. I don't want to say to anybody, you need to be having sex constantly (laughs) when you're dealing with this new little baby in transition. But I think it's also 
really wise to think if I completely remove a huge portion of what our relationship did have before, you're going to notice the effects of that as well. But aside from that, cuddling, holding hands, taking time just to be near each other and connect, even if there's not energy for words or deep conversations, that is so powerful. And another thing to note about this specifically with cuddling, if you've never had a chance to really learn about the five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman, they are worth your time. Any group I ever talk with or any um, person that I counsel, I think that this is one of the most valuable things to know about yourself and your partner. And it's worth a quick read. You can go online. Um, we can link to the website in the show notes as well. But there's five love languages. They're quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. And the reason they're so important is because you can be focusing a lot. I'm saying like right now, I'm suggesting that you have some time to touch physically. But the truth of it is your mate's your mates, (laughs) your spouse's love language may actually not really be physical touch. They may need more than anything to hear you say, you are such a good dad. You do such a great job of putting the kids to bed. You are so good at getting up every day and going to work and working hard for the family and coming home and, and vice versa. You may need to hear those exact same words. But if you're not aware of what your spouse's love language is and they're not aware of yours, you may not be loving each other in the way that hits home. And I always kind of kid, you could take all this time to be writing all these sweet notes and doing all these sweet things. And they're just thinking, I just really want to sit and be on the couch next to you and hold your hands. And you've written them 50 love notes that way, right? (laughs) Right. It's like, it's like, it doesn't, it, we can actually make life easier on ourselves and save ourselves time when we learn that language. And then of course, the most important thing is to work against not just showing love in the way that you feel love, but being intentional about showing them love in the way they receive it. For sure. I totally agree. As a person who is a physical touch, love language kind of girl, I love the hugs and kisses and snuggles and hand-holding and all of that. And that is definitely not my husband. He's more of like words of affirmation and quality time kind of guy. When I realized like, oh, me wanting to snuggle or hold his hand or showing my affection or, you know, my love in a certain way, you know, he was like, that's nice, but it's not really fulfilling. You know, in that book, I think it's just like their love tank. Like it's not really filling up his love tank. And yeah, to really notice like, just because these are my love languages, this isn't how he's understanding or interpreting um, appreciation and love. So I totally agree. It is a quick read that I love, but I'm so glad that you also recommend that, that it is a helpful tool. Oh, it's wonderful. Yes. Like absolutely probably will always remain in one of my top five books that anybody should read because it's just so full of insight for us for every day of our lives. Oh, I love that. So you said top five books. So what are, what are the other books (laughs) that we should be reading? Oh goodness. I know. Put you on the spot. Sorry. (laughs) You are going to put me on the spot. I guess they're going to vary from parenting to, I love the journey back to you, the Enneagram and discovering your own um, personality style. I think that's another one that's incredibly insightful. As I mentioned, John Gottman, his book, Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child. 
I feel like everybody in the world should read that. I feel like that is not only good for understanding children, but certainly as adults and just your own, just insight into the way understanding emotions empowers you to have successful relationships. It's just so, I don't know. I love that with all my heart. And then I could probably say Brene Brown. I don't, it's like, where do I start with her books? Oh gosh. But, all of um, them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, every single book. I mean, you should know about her. Yes. Is that good? Uh, Is that good for my list at least? Like, yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. We'll link it all in the show notes, but oh my gosh. Yeah. The, I mean, love, 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 love her stuff. Yes. These are some really good tips. So definitely understanding love languages, going on dates, having those meetings of just the two of you to really connect and share emotional emotional thoughts and how you're, yeah, just how you're feeling, how you're doing, not only as a new parent, but as a spouse, as just a person in general. I think that, you know, that's so important to, to talk about because you kind of... I feel like you and I had talked about this, that you kind of feel like your, your identity has completely changed once you become a parent. And yeah, a huge change going from zero to one and realizing, oh man, it's no longer about me. That is such a challenging, but wonderful time. But being able to have tools like this is really, really helpful. So these tips are so uh, fantastic. Do you have any others or can I ask you more questions? (laughs) Yes. I have one other thing I do want to mention that I think is just really important for everyone. And it actually goes back to what I just spoke about with the emotional intelligence. So A lot of times as adults, we assume that we're married to someone that is emotionally aware of the way they feel, right? And we probably think we are. The truth of it is a lot of times we wake up and we start our day and we get one text and we read one email and we have one interaction with one child or our spouse and instantly our mood is altered by that information that we just received, right? Sometimes we're aware that email that I just read instantly made me feel stressed. Or we're aware the way you said that made me feel (laughs) like you were implying I was lazy there, you know, whatever it is. It is so wonderful. If you are noticing yourself for whatever reason, feeling edgy or stressed or whatever it is that's not your best self, to be able to take a moment and say, wait a second, what is going on that I'm actually carrying with me right now that is adding to my mood in a way that's not helpful. And if you know what it is, vocalize it. So you know how earlier in the interview I said, Joe was like, hey, Quinn, just take some time to yourself. (laughs) One of the things he said in that, he goes, something had to have happened. Did someone call you? Did something happen that stressed you out? And weirdly in that moment, I can't say I really could identify that something had, but that is a really, really emotionally intelligent question. Because he was not being cynical. He was really saying, I think there's more going on with you that you're not identifying. And if you can be honest with yourself and say, hey, like you walk in the door, you see your husband and you say, hey, babe, I just want to say something. I have been feeling really stressed all day about this deadline that I didn't make. And I feel like this person is mad at me and I'm trying my best to set it aside. But I feel that right now. And so if I show that tonight with you or the kids, I just want you to know I am feeling that and vocalize what you feel. Own it if you have stress, because first of all, that allows you to even understand your own self, right? Which empowers you to work against the negativity. Secondly, it connects you with your spouse because you're communicating 
And then third, it allows them to respond to you with more compassion. Because when someone comes to you and says, I've had a really bad day, I mean, your instinct is to want to help them, right? But if they come at you and bark at you and are super rude, your instinct is not to want to help them. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> because you just because you don't understand. So I guess I guess one thing I just want to say that I think is really powerful is helping your partner stay attuned with your emotional state can really help your marriage and your parenting. I love that. Yeah, those are de- that's definitely super helpful when you're both stressed, like something helpful to do and to be aware of when you're recognizing like, okay, I'm feeling this way or I'm recognizing that my spouse is feeling that way. We need to be able to communicate a little bit better, take a moment, breathe, analyze what's going on, why we're feeling a certain way and be able to move forward from there. Am I understanding correctly? Yes. And I think that sometimes our instinct is to be like, no, I'm fine. Like nothing's wrong. Yeah. You know, and that's, <laughs> that's <like> just <laughs> women's, <laughs> I don't know, slogan. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, the truth of it is like, this is just all I can say. What a blessing. What a wonderful thing when someone takes a moment to notice. So give them the benefit. And, and if it really is like, oh, I really didn't notice, you know, then I own it. I didn't, I wasn't trying to be rude. But if there really is something, give into that and say, you know what? You are right. This is what's going on. I am bitter that I was just up all night and you slept well. (laughs) You know, own it. Own it and say, I do sometimes get tired of being the one that's up every night. I'm not saying it's your fault. I recognize the baby wants me. But if for whatever reason, sometimes when I wake up, I'm just mad at you and be honest, you know, it doesn't mean it has to start a fight. It just means that it keeps you guys, like I said, connected with the emotions. Yeah. And those are all valid. I feel like women who are listening to this have probably all felt the, <laughs> those, those thoughts. And so when you come to your spouse, what are things that you can do to go from there? Because you really are sleep deprived, you're aching, you're sore, your nipples are chapped, whatever. I mean, where, where do you go from that? Like, I'm feeling resentment because you're getting to sleep. You have useless nipples. I, yeah. Where do you go from there? Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you that a lot of times there isn't just a magic answer for, from the spouse even for the remedy to what that feels like when motherhood just is kind of, you know, consuming, right? And as much as we love it, and I feel like I do need to say, I feel like it's a given. We all know it is like, it's amazing. It's my favorite thing I've ever done, but it's also the absolute hardest thing I've ever done. And there are those moments where you are just like, I don't know, it's hard. And you want someone to make it better. I think that your spouse, if you, and and this is a good thing to talk about in a state of the union meeting to say, when I come to you, and I'm upset, here's three things that will help me every time. And this may look different for right. Every woman listening. But for me, my husband saying to me, what could I do to help? Like, is there something I can do to help? That instantly makes me feel better because I feel like he's willing to take action. Often, the truth is there's no remedy for like specifically the one where we're talking about sleep. There really isn't a huge remedy for the overnight thing. But let's say he asked me that, what could I do to help? And I would say, you know what? I would love to just be able to sleep for an hour right now. And he's like, okay, go do it. That is a much better way to go about something than to not say you're annoyed and to be getting your coffee in a little, you know, a bitter little mood. (laughs) Right, right. But I feel like that resentment totally builds and builds and builds. So, and I've seen, 
you know, going into families' homes and working with them during that postpartum time, I've seen that. And that's where I am not a therapist, so I don't like to intervene. (laughs) I usually then recommend that they talk to someone if, you know, that transition to parenthood is challenging. So yeah, it's, it's good to know what to do in the, in those moments. It is. And, and I think again, that is where the marriage being strong will help because here's the truth. Not all spouses are going to respond in a way that's helpful unless you are staying in good communication and emotional closeness, right? He may be like, well, I'm sorry. They don't want me. So what do you want me to do? Like, that's not very helpful. But like I said, pre-coaching through what Joe and I really like to do when we have challenging situations with our kids or in our marriage, once we get through it, we'll say what could we have done? Like what would have made that better for us? And so a lot of times pre-programmed responses like that, like, how can I make this better for you? What would you like to do today? You know, those sorts of things help us not fall back into patterns that um, cause us to kind of stumble. Right, right. I love this. Quinn, you basically answered all of my questions without me even having to (laughs) ask them. So that's how spot on you are. So this was incredibly helpful. Well, good. I'm so grateful. You might say, you know, I'm a blabbermouth. I don't know, but I, um, I do. I love this subject. If there's anything that instantly happened when I realized how challenging motherhood was, was I wanted to use my experiences to encourage and to relate because I think we know this, but we all mostly are pretty much experiencing very similar things. And so it really comes down to just support and knowing you're normal, that it's normal to feel like marriage can be more stressful after children than before, to feel like there are moments where parenting is harder than you thought it would be or that you wanted it to be. But I think just doing the types of things that can encourage other women, it always makes me feel like my experiences, it's worth it, right? So anyway, so I'm grateful that you've given me a chance just to be on here and share. Oh my goodness, of course. Well, again, Quinn, having known you for several years and seeing all the incredible work that you do for women and and families and for your family, I mean, it's just inspiring. So we are so glad that you had the time to be able to chat with us and talk about this big topic because it's important for us parents to work on growing our relationships with our spouses so we can as we continue to grow our families. Yes. Awesome. Okay. And thank you everyone for tuning into today's episode. Join us in today's conversation on our Baby Chick Facebook page, where we'll be posting this episode. We want to hear if these tips helped you, how you've been able to have a strong relationship with your spouse after having children, and your experiences and thoughts. As always, subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and of course, our website, www.baby.com babyhyphenchick.com.